Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 345 of the podcast. Unless you happen to be joining live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, if you want to catch the show live, subscribe or one or all of those platforms. Turn on your notifications so you know when the show is live, like right now. Today is Sunday, January 21st. We are one day removed from UFC 297, which took place in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We'll get into that in just a little bit. If you haven't already, grab yourself some MMA on the Rocks merchandise through our friends at Team Reaper. Reaper1.co is the website for that. You can use the promo code MMARocks10. Save yourself 10% on your entire order, whether you are buying my merchandise or not. Full disclosure, any proceeds from merchandise will be spent on alcohol. So, um, you know, purchase at your own discretion. But uh, if you want to grab yourself an over-the-top, under-the-influence t-shirt, tank top, or hoodie, that's the place to do it. All right, I usually save that till the end, but figure one time uh, I'll put it at the beginning of the show before everybody gets sick of hearing my voice. What's going on, everybody? Everybody had a great weekend, I hope. Um, I had an awesome weekend myself. Uh, it was spent just with my daughter. Uh, my wife's been in Atlanta on a business trip for the past week and change. Uh, she'll be back finally tomorrow night. Uh, I've really loved spending the quality time with the kiddo, uh, but she can be a handful. Uh, if you saw my Instagram today or or YouTube shorts, I, I did a cold plunge this morning. And I had her acting as a little reporter. And what she was supposed to do was ask me questions about the fights last night. I gave her a couple of questions to ask me about UFC 297. I wanted to post some relevant content. I thought it'd be cool. Do it in the cold plunge. See if I could, uh, you know, focus or distract myself enough from the cold water to give my thoughts on the fights uh, in that scenario. And she wound up just straight roasting me and calling me a crybaby for being in the cold water. Um, and for shivering in the cold water. And it was demoralizing, humiliating, and also a very proud moment for me as a parent because here she was. She saw she had this person who has authority over her. She saw she had me in a vulnerable place where I was in a bucket of cold water and I couldn't move. And she took advantage of that and roasted me when I couldn't think clearly to, to even give mount a defense against her. And her little six-year-old behind took me down. Uh, and, and, you know, I got to give her credit. So I posted it on the internet for everybody to see how my six-year-old got the better of me in the battle of wits uh, while I was freezing my tail off in this cold plunge and I've been doing this three days a week uh, for the month of January so far. And I really enjoy it. Today was by far the worst because where I live here in Florida, it was 42 degrees this morning outside. And I got the cold plunge down to 45 degrees, which is the coldest one I've done so far. So the water was 45 degrees. And then when I got out of the water, it was 42 degrees. And I don't just towel off because I've read that, you don't get all the benefits if you do that. You have to let your body temperature come back up on its own. So I just kind of drip dry. 
and it was so cold outside. It took me a good couple of hours to, to warm up. Um, you know, I just dripped dry and then I was just kind of like pacing around my house with a, with a wool hat on and a, and a, and a hoodie. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I definitely think I've been feeling a lot of benefits from it. Uh, it's, it's helped speed up the healing of some nagging injuries I've had. I don't know if you guys heard me talk about it. a few weeks ago, I twisted my knee doing jujitsu. I thought I, uh, tore my MCL because I've done that before. And it was a very similar feeling, um, two days in a row, the cold plunge. And I was walking around on it like normal. I was back in jujitsu the following week. Um, <clears throat> so there, there's definitely something to it. I mean, even if it was just a mild sprain, it still healed a lot quicker uh, than it would have normally. Something like that, you know, knowing my body, having done martial arts for so long, I kind of know by the way things feel, how long it's going to take them to heal up. And um, the way that knee was, the, the way that knee was feeling, it was definitely going to be, I'd say, a week or two. Um, but yeah, two days, and I don't know if it was all due to the cold plunge, but. Uh, I'll give credit where I think it's due. Uh, so I think it's been helping. You know, I've been getting a lot of messages, people asking me about, you know, the brand of Cold Plunge, and uh, they don't sponsor me, so I don't need to say anything about them. It's just, it's just an inflatable tub. There's, there's tons of brands. You know, get the one that's in your price range, uh, and go for it. Uh, if there is a, a cold plunge company that wants to sponsor me, I'll gladly, you know, put their logo out and stuff. But this one um, doesn't even share my Instagram videos or anything. So I don't really care to endorse them. I think any container would work. If you got a bathtub, that works. All you got to do is, you know, get a bunch of ice in it. For me, you know, I worry about the mess of it you know, overflowing with the ice and everything when you get in. And also my bathtub is on the second floor of my house. Uh, so I don't want to be lugging bags of ice up the stairs. So for me, it's easier to just have the tub outside, but yeah, any, any container will do. You get, you get like a, a plastic tub at Lowe's uh, and that'll work just fine as well. The only advantage of the actual cold plunge tubs is they have like insulated covers uh, and you can cover them up. And uh, you can you don't have to change the water every day. You, know, you throw some peroxide or a little, uh, you know, tablespoon of bleach in there, uh, or salt. I used um, I used Epsom salt this time, and uh, actually pretty nice. So there was that. Uh, my daughter and I went to the movies this weekend. Yesterday, uh, we saw Wonka for the second time, and. It, it was her choice to go see it again. But I have to tell you, I love the movie. I thought it was awesome. I thought it was really well done. So for those who don't know, Wonka is like the prequel to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the Gene Wilder version, not, not the bullshit Johnny Depp one, which I, I don't really particularly like. My daughter likes that one. Um, I couldn't get into it. I, I love the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And I know the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Johnny Depp is more true to the book by Roald Dahl. Um, but for me, the original just can't be beat. However, this new movie with 
oh man, I'm gonna butcher this guy's name. Timothy uh Timothy Chalamet plays Willy plays a young Willy Wonka who just arrives to the town and and he doesn't really have any money and all he has is the ability to make amazing chocolate and he kind of uh, gets into some sticky situations and has to work his way out of it. It's a full blown musical, which I'm not the biggest musical fan in the world, but this one had some catchy tunes. My daughter and I were, um, you know, we were playing the soundtrack over and over. Uh, I thought the storyline was great and it's a two hour movie, which I'm not a fan of. Disney's been doing this a lot lately too with the two hour movies and it's got to stop. But my daughter's six years old, and she sat through it twice in the theater. Uh, so that says something about how this movie just kind of draws you in. And I thought it had a lot of great nostalgia, a lot of great references to the Gene Wilder movie as well. Uh, so I definitely recommend seeing Wonka. I mean, maybe you don't have to go to the theater and see it. It's not like it's not like a cinematic experience. I think if you wait for it to come on demand, it would be fine. But I think it's an awesome movie. I really enjoyed it. My daughter loved it. She thinks it's the best of the three Willy Wonka movies. Um, and you know, she's not, she's seen the other ones, but she doesn't, she didn't like grow up with them. She doesn't have any kind of sentimental attachment to them. So that's that. All right. I know you guys aren't here to hear about, uh, Willy Wonka and uh <laughs> cold plunges you're here to talk about fights and booze so let's get into it shall we ufc 297 right at the scotia bank arena toronto ontario canada a uh, bunch of canadians on the card that uh didn't have great nights and the main event was an american against a south african so sean strickland puts his middleweight championship on the line against contender Drickus Duplessis, who becomes the first, I guess, African-born UFC champion in history. So, um, very historical moment. He was he was very emotional about that, um, and you know he's worked super hard to get here. So, who, who can blame him? Um, my hair is going in like every different direction tonight. I don't know what's going on. All right, so split decision, right? Uh, I didn't reload this page from the last time, from the last episode we were doing. Uh, split decision win for Drakus Duplessis. How did you guys score this fight? Personally, I had it for Sean Strickland. I had him winning rounds one, two, and five. And I thought those rounds were pretty clear. Um, in my opinion, however, um, I did think round two was close, but I thought because of the damage that Strickland did to the eye socket of Duplessis, I, I gave Strickland the edge in round two. Some people had it four to one for Drickus, and I just didn't see that, um, you know, I saw I saw Strickland pushing the pace more in the fifth round. I thought he honestly kind of took three and four off. 
He was getting a little tired and then realized he had to turn up the gas in the fifth round. Um, and which is unusual for Strickland. Um, but you know, I think he's used to pressuring forward and, uh, you know, credit to Drickus. He had Strickland fighting off his back foot for a lot of the fights. Uh, he landed a lot of nice takedowns, great timing on his takedowns. But he didn't do anything with them. Strickland got right back up every time. So it's tough because a lot of people like to make the arguments of, you know, takedowns shouldn't count, you know, if they don't do anything with them. I don't like that argument because it's hard to take down a grown man who's a professional athlete who doesn't want to be taken down. So that definitely should count for something. Uh, but you got to do a little something with it. Don't let the guy just spring right back up. I mean, there was no submission attempts. There was, I don't know if there was even any strikes landed on the ground. Uh, Strickland was really good about, you know, popping right back up. He would, or he would, you know, walk over to the cage and, and wall walk back up. Um, and then Strickland was bloody at the end of the fight, but apparently that was due to a headbutt somewhere in the third round. Uh, so that might have just given bad optics, made it seem like like Duplessis were doing more damage than he was. I think Strickland definitely did more damage throughout the course of the fight. Um, Drickus's face was pretty battered, but you know it's not like it's not like Strickland got off scot free. He, he did take some damage in this fight. Um, the, the jab of this, of Sean Strickland was the most useful weapon throughout the course of this fight. Uh, he was landing it over and over and over and it was landing hard. What he seems to have difficulty with is throwing the right hand, especially if you notice in the fifth round, every time he threw the, the right hand, it was a little bit wild. He's it's, it's bizarre to me how he's so accurate with the lead hand. Uh, he can land that jab from so many different angles, from various ranges, and and be so accurate with it. But the right hand is like, you know, the jab is like a heat-seeking missile, and the right hand is just like a grenade that he's kind of throwing wherever. That's how it looked to me. Uh, you know, I know by the, by the time that fifth round came around, he was exhausted, but yeah, <clears throat> just doesn't have the same accuracy with, with both weapons. As far as Drickus goes, he's kind of an anomaly and he reminds me of Kelvin Gastelum in this way. I can't pinpoint anything that he does exceptionally well, except win fights. And I remember Chael Sonnen saying the same thing about Kelvin Gastelum when he was on The Ultimate Fighter. He kept telling him, Kelvin, I don't know what you're good at. And then one day he told him, Kelvin, I finally figured out what you're good at. It's winning fights. And that's what Drickus is. You know, he's not a great striker. He's not a great wrestler. We haven't seen much of his grappling. He's not, you know, obviously he's not a submission artist. But as far as winning fights goes, the man is elite, championship level even. Um, so he's just got that, that je ne sais quoi. You know, he's got that X factor. He's got that dog in him. Uh, and 
and it's gotten him to a world title. So, you know, who can argue with the results, right? I mean, you want to match him up skill for skill with, with anybody in the division. Do I think he's, you know, as good or, or better than some of these guys uh, in the top 10? No, I don't. But uh, that doesn't matter when you get in there with him. Uh, and I think he's aware of it too. I think he knows that he just has a presence and he's able to put a pace on guys that <clears throat> is hard to deal with. So what's next now? And credit to Sean Strickland too for taking the loss, you know, with humility and and saying like, all right, Drickus was the better man. I thought I did enough, but uh, hey, on to the next one. Uh, you got to respect that. I don't care what you think about, you know, the the wild shit he says in press conferences or on podcasts or or any of that. And <clears throat> I don't really care what he says. You know, for me, it's about the fighting, the sportsmanship, the uh, competition. Um, and as far as that goes, Sean Strickland carries himself like a champion, in my opinion. Um, outside of fighting, that's another story. Uh, I don't really, I don't really care to comment on any of that. It's, it's got nothing to do with what I talk about here and it's got nothing to do with him as a fighter. So we don't need to go there. <clears throat> so what's next as I choke on my whiskey here, excuse me guys. <clears throat> What's next? I mean, Drake has called out Adesanya. They've kind of got unfinished business. But is Adesanya just out on fishing excursions or what? Like, what's going on? I didn't hear Strickland asking for an immediate rematch. That would make sense. I thought it was a really close fight. It was really competitive. Running it back would make sense. I don't think it sells a pay-per-view on its own. I think you got to kind of back it with another big fight uh which they didn't have on this card uh if we're being honest uh but yeah i think i think to sell a rematch you would need a little bit more star power if adesanya is ready to go let's do uh Drickus and adesanya next and we could do uh sean strickland and whitaker i mean that's a fun fight um sean strickland and marvin vittori I think would be great as well. Uh, we have two middleweights fighting next week. We have Roman Delidze and uh, Nasruddin Mavov. So the winner of that is going to be right up there in the mix too. Um, you know, those guys are ranked 8 and 11. So an impressive win is going to bump them up. Brendan Allen is is floating around. He's... he's uh, you know, he's been choking everybody out lately. Brendan Allen and Sean Strickland might be a fun fight too. That would be a fun buildup to that fight because they both kind of say some wacky stuff. Matt, the mechanic is on. And he says, we are $2.45 in the hole for the year. So for those of you who don't know, my buddy Matt, the mechanic comes on every Thursday and we do an episode called Picks and Pours where he picks winners for the UFC fights. And I ridicule him for his picks. Now the stakes have kind of been upped a little bit because 
he's going to take whatever winnings he has at the end of the year and buy us dinner. But if he's in the red, I have to buy dinner, which I don't see how this works because now, now it's like if he loses money, it costs me money. But here we are. Um, and he also says he's up 45 cents if he didn't take my advice. All right, so I guess it does make sense. I owe you that $2.45. Fair enough. Fair enough. Dinner's on me. He's in the hole at the end of the year. The other thing we're doing on this uh, new weekly segment is something called Hot Take or Take a Shot, in which we are going to be buying each other uh, rather disgusting uh, little shooter bottles of liquor. Matt is going to present me with a hot take live on the air that I have not heard previously. And I have to argue against his hot take. If I can convince him that his hot take is wrong, he's got to take one of these nasty shots. If I can't convince him, I have to take one of the nasty shots. So it adds a fun element to the show. We're going to have a good time with it. So make sure you're tuning in Thursdays. We usually go live with those around 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure you're checking those out. <laughs> I don't know. What do you guys think is next for this uh, for this middleweight division here? I mean, we can't do Whitaker and Duplessis. We just saw that. But we can do Whitaker and Strickland. I say Brendan Allen and Sean Strickland. I think that's just a fun fight. And then, you know, let the winner of that fight for the title. So, all right. Dana White, uh, Mick Maynard, whoever is in charge of those decisions, let's go ahead and, and get that on the books. Sean Strickland, Brendan Allen. Let's get that in like, I don't know, three or four months. Sound good? Great. All right, we got a new women's bantamweight champion, and it is Raquel Pennington who had a unanimous decision win over Myra Bueno Silva, who looked like she was just going to run away with this thing after the first two rounds. She beat the shit out of Raquel, Raquel Pennington in the first two rounds to the point where she almost looked bored beating her ass. Uh, <clears throat> and credit to Raquel Pennington. Sometime in the third round, she just decided she was going to be a champion on that night. Um. So she did it. Uh, she pulled through. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate circumstances, right? A lot of people shitting on this fight. I got to be honest. I wasn't crazy about it myself just because here on the East Coast, I was like doing the math in my head while this fight was going on and and it wasn't resulting in a finish. And I was thinking, oh, the main event's not going to come on until like 1 a.m. And I know those of you who listen over in Europe are are telling me to stop whining because you guys wake up at like 4 a.m. to watch the main events or or to watch the main card or whatever you guys do over there. Uh, but, you know, I guess that's your choice. Like if I had to do that, I just wouldn't watch live, to be honest. <laughs> I would just catch it the next day in the morning. And I've, I've had to do that sometimes uh, with the way the timing lines up here. But yeah it's just unfortunate circumstances like why 
did it take so long? I mean, Amanda Nunez retired almost a year ago. Why do we have to wait a year uh, to crown a new champion? It should have been like within a couple of months. We should have had two ladies ready to go. Um, but <clears throat> there's just not a whole lot going on in this women's uh, bantamweight division. <laughs> I mean, Juliana Pena is still ranked number one. According to the rankings, that'll change on Tuesday. I mean, Holly Holm is still ranked number six in this division. Like, uh, what, what's going on here? Holly Holm's like below 500 in her last seven fights or so, isn't she? But yeah, this should have come together a little sooner. I, I mean, it's no fault of these, these women, I think. It was just not a priority for the promotion to put this together. And then it was kind of an afterthought, like, oh, well, let's just do the vacant title at, at 297 in Canada. Like, whatever, just throw it on there. That's how it felt to me. Um, and, you know, a lot of other people have not been so delicate in describing, you know, how this all went down. So there's that. But in any case, Raquel Pennington, congratulations. New Bantamweight champion. I imagine Juliana Pena is going to be next in line uh, for this title. <clears throat> it's kind of hard when you have, when you had like such a great champion in Amanda Nunez um, that like after she left, nobody really cared about either of her divisions. I mean, the featherweight division just got swept under the rug. Like it never even existed. Uh, which is something that I kind of predicted uh, because on the UFC website, the week before Amanda Nunez retired on the rankings page, the only thing there was Amanda Nunez as the champion. So that just kind of disappeared into thin air when she retired and the bantamweight division did the same thing for almost a year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it, it's going to have to be Juliana Pena next. I imagine Irene Aldana will will be up there for a title shot in the not-so-distant future as well. I know she has fought Raquel Pennington before, but it was a split decision. So uh, I wouldn't mind seeing them run that one back or you know, Aldana versus uh, Pena, however that kind of shakes out. All right, let's talk about the, the comeback of the night. Neil Magny over Mike Malott, <clears throat> TKO, with 15 seconds left in the third round. All right, so Mike Malott beat the shit out of Neil Magny in the first two rounds. This fight was not even competitive in the least. <clears throat> he was beating him from pillar to post. He chopped his legs out from under him, damn near chopped his leg in half, uh, took him down, was just beating the piss out of him on the ground, uh, had some had some submission attempts, couldn't really fall through on him. Third round starts, it's all Mike Malott again. He's, he's on his way to being the Canadian hero in front of the hometown crowd, the young stud beating the brakes off the Wiley veteran. Then Neil Magny gets a takedown towards the end of the round. 
gets on top of Mike Malott, knocks him unconscious, and Kevin McDonald let him take probably 10 or 11 or 12 or 50 unanswered blows, like beyond being unconscious, but, you know, giving him the benefit of the doubt because he knows in 20 seconds or so, Mike Malott is getting his hand raised. Uh, so you can't really fault him there. Uh, because he really would be taking a victory away from the guy if he stopped it too soon. But let's be real. It was stopped too late. You know, Neil Magny, Neil Magny knocked, knocked Mike Malad into the shadow realm. And he was 15 seconds away from uh, the biggest win of his career in from his home, in front of his hometown. <laughs> and Neil Magny said, Nope, not tonight. My Canadian friend. And he pulled the rug right out from under him. Whew, what a comeback. And gosh, the rest of the card was kind of dull. Um, it, you know, we got a couple of shining moments here. Chris Curtis split decision over Mike Mark Andre Barriol. You know, they they slugged it out. Um, but for whatever reason, I just I just wasn't into this fight. Um you know, maybe I wasn't totally focused on it. I think my daughter hadn't gone to bed yet. Um, so I just kind of had it on, wasn't fully invested. Um, if I'm wrong about this one and I need to go back and give it another look, let me know. Um, but I'll take your silence as affirmation as well, that I do not need to go back and watch it. Movsar Evluev, unanimous decision over Arnold Allen. Yeah, he did that. Garrett Armfield uh, got the decision over Brad Katona. Sean Woodson, split decision win over Charles Jordan. This one was confusing because they announced the winner, and I guess it was hard to understand. Jordan's team starts celebrating, and Sean Woodson just starts clapping, and he goes to walk out of the cage, and DC grabs him. And he's like, where are you going? You won. <laughs> um, so Sean Woodson was the rightful winner there. This guy's hard to deal with, man. 145 pounds. And he's billed as 6'2 on uh on Sure Dog. He's taller than 6'2. This guy's gonna be 6'3, 6'4. He's gotta have one of the most awkward builds builds to deal with in MMA. 145 pounds. And a, and the guy's like eight feet tall. Like, come on. This isn't. Like, should we have height restrictions on these weight classes too? We're just going to let guys cut down on whatever ridiculous weight they want. Uh, in any case, impressive performance by Sean Woodson. I don't even know why this was a split decision. I thought this was a clear win for Sean Woodson. Uh, I don't know what that one judge was looking at. Uh, Ramon Taveras, split decision over Serhi Sydney. And Jillian Robertson, dominant win over Pollyanna Viana. These two were going back and forth over... Who's the best grappler uh, in women's MMA history? I think uh, Jillian Robertson has had eight submission wins. Viana has had, no, no, no. Jillian had nine and Viana had eight, something like that. They were close. They were like damn near neck and neck. Jillian Robertson dragged her to the ground and just straight beat the shit out of her. Didn't even give her the courtesy of a tap out. Uh, she just punched the shit out of her until Kevin McDonald had to pull her off. Um, so, yeah, credit to her. 
Um, I'd say, yeah, she's definitely in contention for being uh, the best grappler in women's MMA. So I think she's she's <clears throat> on the rise in this division. Um, and Mackenzie Dern's coming off a loss. So I think maybe we need to see that fight. And, you know, talk about deciding who the best grappler is in women's MMA. Yeah, let's get these two in there together. Because why not? I mean, there, there was a while there where Jillian Robertson was just a submission machine. <laughs> and she's only 28 years old. I feel like she's been around such a long time. I'm surprised um, that she's still that young. Um, but great. That means we have a lot more time to see her rack up those submissions. All right. Uh, Sam Patterson submits Johan Liness in the first round, two minutes into the first round, actually, with a rear naked choke. Uh, Jasmine Jazuda Vicious with a dominant performance over Priscilla Cachoeira. This was just another one sided beatdown by Jazuda Vicious. Uh, ends up getting an Anaconda choke late in the third round, but. Uh, she she dominated this entire fight. She controlled everything, every position. Um, just fantastic performance there. And uh, Cachoeira was just a little bit too reckless on the feet. Uh, you know, even even after each round, she would come out with like the same approach, and it wasn't working out for her at all. Uh, I don't know what kind of advice she was getting in the corner, but nothing she was doing was working. And because she was kind of so wild with her strikes, it was easy for Jazuda Vicious to get the takedowns. Uh, Jimmy Flick back in the win column in a catchweight win over Malcolm Gordon, submitted him with an arm triangle in the second round, one minute, 17 seconds, round number two. Jimmy Flick, this guy, he was supposed to be a hot prospect, right? Uh, coming off of the Contender Series back in 2020, wins his first UFC fight with a flying triangle, then retires, uh, comes back after three years, unretires, and gets knocked out two fights in a row. But he said he had a lot of things going on, um, and he looked great in his performance last night. So I, I guess he's he's recommitted to the MMA thing, so good for him. All right, folks. Next week, we're back at the UFC Apex. Not a lot of star power on this card, but I'm looking forward to this main event. Roman Delidze and Nasruddin Imamov. Imamov, sorry. Um, this is an interesting main event uh, because we just had you know, a middleweight main event, and I believe both these guys are coming off of losses because Delidze just lost to Marvin Vittori, and Imavov had the no contest with Chris Curtis, but before that he had a loss to Sean Strickland. So technically two guys coming off of losses uh, in a main event here, which is kind of unusual, but I'm not mad about it. I think it's going to be a fun fight. So we'll see what happens there. Tune in on Thursday. We'll be making picks um, on this main card, but I'll just take a, a quick glance at it. Hanato Moicano and Drew Dober in the co-main event. How do you not love that fight? That's an awesome fight. 
I haven't heard a lot of people talking about this one, but yeah, I'm the most excited for this fight out of everything on this card. Uh, although Randy Brown and Muslim Solikov, that'll be a really good fight. And then the rest is, uh, you know, kind of hit or miss. Molly McCann and Diana Belbita should be okay. And, uh, a lot of not a lot of name recognition on this card, which you know could go either way. You know, sometimes these young, hungry fighters who want to make a name for themselves, um, you know, they come in and get after it. Uh, let's see what else did I want to talk about. Apologize to everybody who uh, uh, pointed out the audio issues with the last episode. Uh, Matt was having some issues with his microphone. He did contact Road, uh, which we both happen to use Rode microphones and love them. Matt actually turned me on to them. Uh, they talked him through the issue that he was having. It was just uh, his headphones were plugged into the wrong port or something. And the volume was off, but hopefully we got all that straightened out. Thank you to everybody who reached out to let me know that there was an audio issue. Um, obviously, I don't really go back and, and listen to the episodes. I don't like listening to myself talk. Um, I appreciate that you guys do, even if it's just a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't go back and listen to my own episodes. I'm not that guy. Uh, so I appreciate it. If there's an audio issue, please let me know, put it in the comments. Um, DM me on social media. You guys know where to find me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere on social media, um, Instagram and, uh, X and, uh, Facebook I'm on TikTok, but I'm not really on TikTok. Like, I might as well have somebody else managing it for me. I just kind of post on there, and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing other than that. But shout out to Rode, because uh, I do love these microphones. Um, so hopefully we'll have better audio going forward. I want to share something with you guys, and I want to put it up on the screen here. Um, let's see. If I can do this here. Okay. So this is from Marab's Instagram, right? And I'm going to read it for you because I know the picture is small. So Marab lives in Vegas now. I need a drink for this one. <laughs> People are so up in arms about this too. So Marab posts on Instagram, your house should be a safe place. I didn't lock my car door last night, and some losers were checking car doors in my neighborhood. They stole my wallet. They came back to try and steal the car, but my neighbor yelled to them, and they ran like pussies. Vegas people, if you recognize anybody in these photos or videos, let me know. I will go to their house and take care of business. Carmel will get them if I don't first. All right. There's a few things wrong with this. One, you live in Las Vegas. You know it's not the safest place, right? Lock your doors. Lock your car doors. Lock your house. We just saw a guy do this at Sean Strickland's property a couple of weeks ago. And Sean Strickland is waiting in his living room with a gun in his underwear like a total psycho just waiting for something like this to happen. But Marab's a nice guy. He's very trusting. This 
Now, I'm not I'm not uh, taking the side of the thieves here because I see a lot of people arguing in the comments. Like, don't tell him to lock his doors. How do you not? How do you not get mad at the people robbing the cars? Like, look, I think it goes without saying those guys are scum. They're assholes. But, you know, lock your car. I can look past that. I forget to lock my car sometimes. And I live in a very safe neighborhood. Right? Um, you know, I try to do it, but every now and then. Hell, one time I left the uh, sliding door to my minivan wide open all night. So shit happens. People make mistakes. Why is your wallet in the car, Marab? And I have friends who do this. They get in the car and they put their wallet in the cup holder. And then if I'm going somewhere with them, if we're going to a restaurant, it it's happened multiple times. They say, oh, I've left my wallet in the car. And then they got to go back and get it. Why are you leaving your wallet in the car? The car is not a place for your wallet. That's why you have pockets that are sewn into the fabric that you wear on your legs called pants. Your wallet belongs in your pocket. Even if you want to carry a fanny pack or something like Joe Rogan, I think he sells them on his website. Get yourself a fanny pack. Put it in there. Your car is not a place to store your wallet. Even every grocery store you go to has a sign up in the parking lot. that says, don't leave any valuables in your car. We're not going to be responsible. Uh, do you need a sign like that at your own house? Like, don't leave your wallet in the car. What are you doing, man? And then instead of saying like, hey, if you know who these people are, help me contact the authorities. You're going to say, no, I'm going to go to their house and beat them up. And you're putting it on the Internet. Like, come on, dude. There's just... There's just so many things here that could be avoided. Like, I, I understand not locking a car door. You know, we're all human. Sometimes we forget to do that. Don't keep your wallet in the car. Don't threaten people with violence on the internet. You, you know, call the police. That's that's why you pay taxes, so that they can handle stuff like this. You can't just go around, like, beating people up that steal your wallet. Um and now probably Sean Strickland is going to be sitting outside of Marab's house, like waiting for these guys to come back. And, and then they're going to, they're going to regret trying to open up doors in this neighborhood. Why are these, why do these people keep having to target professional fighters? You know, they can't go to any neighborhoods where like badminton players live or something. These guys are going after the, the unlocked cars of, of UFC fighters. Like, Damn near champion UFC fighters. Yeah, these guys are idiots. Um, they're scumbags, and and yeah, they probably deserve uh, whatever's coming to them if they get caught or uh, you know if they get arrested or whatever the case. But come on, dude, don't leave your damn wallet in the car. What are you doing? What are you doing? And if it's one time, all right. But I know, like I said, I know people like this. Who, as soon as they get in the car, they just toss the wallet in the cup holder or like in this on the center console, and then they always forget it, uh, and it becomes a whole thing. Just keep your wallet in your pants, all right? Rant over, I guess. 
Uh, let's see. I already did the merchandise thing. I don't know what's going on. What else is going on? Um, new sponsor for the podcast or a temporary sponsor or partnership collaboration, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to reveal that on my Instagram tomorrow. So make sure you're following at MMA on the rocks. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. Uh, I, I had some fun, uh, making some content for this company. Uh, I'm still waiting for a whiskey company to reach out and, uh, have me do content for them. But in the meantime, you know, <clears throat> I'll do, uh, what, whatever comes along within reason. You know, I, I have fun with this stuff. I do say no to a lot of things, uh, just because it's not at all relevant to what I do or what I talk about here. Um, but you know, if we're in the same ballpark, then we can have a conversation, but the ultimate goal has always been a whiskey company. Uh, I had the logo for MMA on the rocks designed to look like an old school whiskey label. And it's still a pipe dream of mine to have that logo on a bottle of whiskey someday, like a barrel pick or some kind of collaboration, something like that. Um, <clears throat> but it's gotta be, it's gotta be the right fit as well. You know, I'm not going to put it on something that I wouldn't have on my shelf in my home. So there's that. All right. Let me know your thoughts on UFC 297. How did you score the main event? This is what I want to know from you guys. Um, just to reiterate, if you're just tuning in now, uh, I've seen people coming and going as, as the show has gone on and, and that's cool. I'm not, I don't take it personally, but um, I scored the main event for Sean Strickland. I had one, two, and five for him, but I thought round two was pretty close. That was a really close fight. I wouldn't mind if they ran it back, but how'd you have it? Let me know. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Cheers, everybody. Bye.